sociologist, philosopher type guy. Used to work in Long Beach on the docks. Then he'd go home and think great thoughts and write them down and sell books. Hoffer made this statement. He worked among men all the time. He said, rudeness is a weak man's imitation of strength. Rudeness is a weak man's imitation of strength. Uh, sometimes, sometimes being frank, I'm going to be truthful. I'm just going to tell it like it is. Being frank is really a way of being rude. Uh, I'll just tell it like it is. I'll just speak my mind. That's what I do. Well, actually telling it like it is isn't necessarily the best way to communicate. Uh, it labels people. I'm going to tell you like it is. You're messed up. Well, now I know I'm messed up. So where does that leave us? It doesn't necessarily help people. It labels people. It uh, generates reaction. It's better, rather than just telling it like it is, to tell it with some hope for the future. Uh, you, could, you could make a difference with your life. Instead of, you're just messed up. Now that's period. Now, it won't change. Take the situation, look to the future. You know, I know, you're, I know there's some things here you're struggling with, but you could really make a difference with your life. Um, help people move forward. Don't just tell it like it is and label them. Uh, a lot of times, again, frankness is just rudeness. I'm frank. Well, uh, maybe we should change your name to Rudy. <laughs> frankness is often just rudeness. You need to ask yourself, uh, why am I saying it this way? Now I'm replying, why am I saying it this way? So I can let off some steam or because I really want to try to help this person. You know, they're difficult to deal with. They've got their good points. I've encountered one of them, and now I'm going to help this person. Um, Proverbs 16, 21. A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Why don't you circle pleasant and persuasive? And then draw a line connecting the two. If you're pleasant, you're persuasive. The more pleasant you are, the more persuasive you are. Or if you want to turn it around, I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. You make those grinding comments, you're not persuading. All you're doing is just getting someone ready for a good fight. Uh, nagging doesn't work. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been nagged? How many times did it work? Not many, a few times. Not many. We, we nag. Uh, it doesn't work for most people. Uh, you don't get your point across by being cross. You want to get your point across, you have to be pleasant. Uh, actually, the way you say something determines how people react to it. Not just what you say, but how you say it. Um, if you say something offensively, it's going to be taken defensively. Love has a great deal to do with your words, what you say. It's not just going out and buying a present for them on their birthday. It has a great deal to do with how you talk. As a matter of fact, the very tone of your voice. Tact and tone go together. If you want to be tactful to difficult people, then uh, you have to say things in a loving tone. Tone can change the very meaning of what we say. And, well, like hello. How many different ways can you say hello? Hello. 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 Now, same word, but all kinds of things are going on here. So you, 
you watch your tone. Same word, different message with a different tone. Tone and tact go together. Love's not rude. Means you're tactful, not truthful. Uh, when someone's rude to you, don't retaliate. You know, whenever you get even, you start to retaliate, you get even. You go to the person's level that they're at. If you want to be below them, attack them. If you want to be on their level, get even. If you want to be above them, be kind. Respond to, harm, to harshness with kindness. All depends on what you want to be. Love's tactful, not just truthful. Well, I told him the truth. Well, were you tactful? Do you know any difficult people? You can think of their name in your mind or write them on the back of the paper unless they're sitting next to you. And put beside that word tact. Uh, demanding people. Demanding people always want their own way. They've got to have it their way. They've got a right way and a wrong way, and your way is not the right way. Uh, you never quite please them. How, how do you respond to them? The Bible says, again, in this same verse, love does not demand its own way. So I need to be understanding, not demanding. I'll show you what I mean. Now, Jesus is the best example of this. Philippians 2, your attitude should be the same that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. Why don't you circle did not demand and cling to his rights? Because whenever demanding people started on us, that's what we get tempted to do. Well, I've got my rights. And we turn into a demanding person ourselves. Uh, anytime you see somebody at a restaurant, McDonald's or some other place, saying, I've got my rights. You're listening to a demanding person. They're not understanding. They're demanding. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest tests on your character is how you treat people who serve you. You know, that, that uh, Quickie Mart, McDonald's, on an airline to the stewardesses, baggage handlers, just how you treat people who serve you, who help you. People that do your lawn, uh, the waiters, secretaries, employees. Uh, we're supposed to treat people with respect. They're made in the image of God. We respect them. Uh, one of the ways you can do that is to be understanding, not demanding. As a matter of fact, a great place to practice that is at home, to be understanding, not demanding. Uh, the more you understand, the better you can deal with people. Believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. Titus 3.2. Once you circle courtesy. Show courtesy to everyone. Courtesy is basically showing love in little things. Um, a lot of marriages die from a lack of courtesy. They get, they get buried under a, a lot of little digs at each other. Uh, just a lack of courtesy. How do, you be, how do you be more understanding of people who are demanding? Uh, the Bible says that, that patience with people like this, comes from perspective. Uh, again, Proverbs. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It's his glory to overlook an offense. Um, wisdom, that, that means perspective. You, you see things like they really are. It gives you patience. You want perspective, you, you try, to, try to get perspective on people. The more you understand about a person, the more patient you're going to be. 
Uh, there are three things you can look for if you're dealing with demanding people. One's their background. Three Bs. Their background, their battles, and their burdens. Backgrounds, battles, and burdens. Whenever you start to get sharp and short with someone, particularly you know, if someone's serving you uh, on the public, uh, then ask yourself, do I know their background? You know, we tend to think, well, uh, this person's got a long way to go. But we don't think, I wonder how far they've come. You know, sometimes if you knew people's background, you'd cut them a lot more slack. Um, their battles. What they're going through right now. Have a problem? Transformer, I'm battery powered. It's on, it's on. Maybe I'll go by, maybe I'll go with this. You gotta switch it to this? Can you switch it to this? Maybe I can get real close to it and we get real feedback. You can have it if you want it. <laughs> the battles, background, the battles and their burdens. Um, do I know the background? That might give me some understanding for this person. Do I know the battles they're facing? You don't know, maybe their back sore. Uh, maybe maybe somebody just ran over their dog. Uh, maybe they're going through a divorce. You know, do, you, do you know really the battles they're fighting? And then their burdens. What are the hard things in life that they're carrying? Sometimes demanding people um, react to life with demanding. And Whenever you're offended, are you offended by the offenses or do you overlook them? The Bible says it's a glory. That verse says it's a glory to a man or a woman's character. Real honor to them. If they just... Overlooking the fence. Just blow it off. I love let's go. So how do you handle demanding people? Well, am I supposed to let them run over me? Am I just supposed to be a doormat for this person? Is that what I love? No, 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 no. With demanding people, you have to be tender without surrender. You have to figure out some way to treat this person kindly without letting them run your life. I love, love, loves demanding people. Love also loves disappointing people. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but everybody in your life is going to dis- disappoint you sooner or later. Do you know that? you know why? Because they're all just like you. You know, none of us is perfect. We all make mistakes. There are points where we disappoint each other. So get ready. Uh, large disappointments we ought to stay away from. But if you're waiting on people to be perfect, then... Uh, you may as well die and go to heaven because that's the only place they are. If you're going to stay on this planet, and we'd like you to, then on this planet, everybody's imperfect. Third thing the Bible says is love is not irritable. Whenever people let us down, whenever people disappoint us, we get really irritable and it tends to stay with us. Brothers and sisters, if someone in your group does something wrong, you might say, especially your pastor. Uh, pastors let people down too. They're not, not supposed to. But every now and then, something happens. Uh, you who are spiritual should go to that person and gently help them be right again. But be careful, because you might be tempted to sin. Uh, why don't you circle the word gently? Key word there. 
You know, have tough conversations, hard conversations with people in a gentle manner. You do it with gentleness and respect. Colossians 3 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against the other. And forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, It says, whatever grievances. You don't get to select. Uh, Just whatever grievances. You can't be selective. Forgive the grievances. Romans 14, 12. Each of us will give an account to God of himself to God. Therefore, stop passing judgment on each other. Now, we're going to give an account to God. Ultimately, we'll stand before him and he'll talk to us about what we've done, not just to each other. And we need to need to use good judgment, but not be passing judgment. You need to use good judgment. Good judgment discerns the difference between right and wrong and truth and error. It's not being judgmental. It's just using good sense. You become judgmental whenever you take the right or wrong and you start to beat people over the head with it. So you need to use good judgment. Uh, but you need to speak rightly. Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Uh, there's a paraphrase in the message of this verse that says, Kind words help and heal. Cutting words wound and maim. So we always have a choice whenever we're going to speak to someone. As we start to speak, uh, we can speak kind words. We can speak words that heal. Or we can speak words that slice and dice. Now, this is true especially with kids. You know, you, you can, you, you've probably already discovered this, but you can say things to kids that just damage for years. If you got to speak to them, how much better to give them a, a vision for the future? Darling, what you, I, I know that what you said was a lie, and that's wrong. But, you know, as time goes on, you're going to, come, you're going to become a person who's a really truthful person, someone people can rely on, and I want to help you be that. That's much better than just saying, you're a liar. Think, you know, think. Use words that heal. Uh, give them vision. The same is true in marriages. You need to, rather than slice each other, cut each other, you need to give some slack and be kind in the way we speak. It's true on our jobs. Ecclesiastes 10 says, if your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. You know, you, you've done something on the job and your boss is just going up. What do you do? Well, who are you to say that to me? No, 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 no. Shut up. Don't quit. Well, I'm out of here. Don't quit. It's hard to get a good job. Don't quit. When you, whenever you're messing up at work, just admit it. Don't blame it on somebody else. Don't get all defensive and everything. Just say, you know, I blew it. You're right. And I want to do better in the future. And then do your job and do it well. Demanding people. Difficult, demanding. Uh, there's a fourth kind. Uh, destructive people. Difficult, demanding, disappointing. And then destructive. How do you love people who intentionally hurt you? Have any of you ever had anyone like that? They love to say spiteful things. Yeah, over, the, over the many years I've lived, I've run across a few. Uh, they're mean, they're hateful, they're manipulative. Whenever people hurt us, we have two natural tendencies. The first one is to remember it, and the second is to retaliate. You know, we're going to remember it. We're going to stockpile it in our mind, put it in the database, and let it stay there forever. We say to ourselves, I'll never forget that one. And then retaliate. Now we want to get even. 
But the Bible says, in that verse we looked at, love keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, that's, what, what do you do with the database? You have to dump it. What do you do with a stockpile memory? You have to put it in trash. How do you respond to people who hurt you in your life already? How do you respond to all those wounds, pains, hurts that are stockpiled in your memory? Well, you don't repeat it. You delete it. You let it go. You forgive and get on to your life. You don't, don't repeat it. There, there are three ways we tend to repeat it. Now, the first one's emotionally in our minds. You know, we run that, run that scene again and again and again. That goes on top ten of all-time favorites. We rehearse that scene in our minds. Uh, we also repeat it relationally as a weapon. Well, when you get into a situation that's tense or an argument with a person, we say, well, you remember when you did such and such? They say, yeah, but you did so and so. You say, well, I don't care. You did this and this. And they say, yeah, but you did so. And this becomes ammunition now, you know, in, in the future arguments. Uh, or practically and verbally, we tell other people about it. Uh, we repeat it in our own mind. Whenever you, whenever you build resentment over time, you hang on to these memories, that, that's actually very self-destructive. You hurt yourself. You, do, you actually do damage to your body with this stuff. Uh, you hold on to a grudge. You're not hurting the other person. You're only hurting you. You know, they don't know about the fact you're rehearsing this, this again. And every time you rehearse it, you hurt yourself again. You go through the hurt all over again. That's dumb. Think about it. That's not smart. Uh, you let them continue to hurt you on into the present. The past is past. It can't hurt you anymore. Only as you bring it up will you experience the hurt again. The way you allow it to hurt you is by remembering it over and over. Our resentment just perpetuates the pain. A second way, we repeat it in fights. You know, you did this, you did that. Uh, we repeat it to other people. It's called gossip. We tell other people about this awful thing that they did to me. Uh, we tell everybody but them. We try to line up people on our side so that other people will hate them just as much as we do. Uh, the Bible says you don't repeat it, you delete it. You let it go. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, you don't rehearse it over in your mind. Over in Leviticus, the Bible says, do not bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them so that you'll not commit sin because of them. That's an interesting thought. You hold a grudge. You run the risk of committing sin because of them. Why is that? It's because whatever you rehearse, you begin to resemble. Have you ever heard people say, whenever they're young, I don't want to be like my mother. And 20 years later, they're just like their mother. You know why? Because mom's been in the center of the mind and a resentment over the way they were treated. And whatever stays in the center of your mind, your, your life gradually shapes to be like. Whatever you remember, you drift toward. So, just let it go. Whatever you think about is what you drift toward. Uh, don't repeat it in arguments. Love never forgets, I'm sorry, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best friends. Also parts marriages. Whenever you bring the things up out of the past, bringing up the past is not the best way to help your marriage. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And then repeating it to others. Gossip is spread by wicked people, the Bible says. 
They stir up trouble and they break up friendships. Gossip is spread by wicked people. Every time I gossip about somebody, I'm actually being wicked. We don't think about it like that. Uh, God hates gossip. You know why? It's full of pride. Whenever we gossip about people, uh, we're just into ego, pure and simple. Uh, the only reason that we, we gossip is to make ourselves feel superior to those other people. So if somebody starts gossiping, just say sorry, but I, I really don't want to be a part of that. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You don't repeat it. You delete it. That's not our, that's not our native reaction. Native reaction is remember and retaliate. Just forgive it let it go. Bible says whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. That's how the Amplified Version. Uh, Proverbs ten twelve says, Hate stirs up trouble, but love forgives all offenses. If you want to keep trouble in your life, catch this. If you want to keep trouble in your life, just keep hate in your life. Hate stirs up trouble. Now, I'd like to wrap up on this. Out of all these things, these different types of people, uh, you've run across different ones. Some of them may have hurt you deeply. There may be offenses that you've carried with you for years. This, the Bible says you forgive all offenses. Are there any of the all that you've not let go? Are there some things you've held on to? Maybe an adult hurt you when you were a child. A teacher, parent, someone else. And you've carried that with you through the years. Um... God wants you to let it go. He doesn't expect you to try to ignore the hurt. He doesn't expect you to try to pretend it was right or try to excuse it. Just call it what it was. But then let it go. God wants you to face it, not fake it. And then let it go. Proverbs 19.11 says, When someone wrongs you, it is a great virtue to ignore it. You forgive it. You let it go. You can't ignore it until you face it, but when you face it, you need to let it go. Job 18.4, book in the Old Testament says, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. And in 1 Corinthians 13.5 again, love does not keep a record of wrongs. Not a written record, not a database record. Love lets it go. I, I don't know who you need to forgive, but I do know that today's the time to do it. Uh, if there are hurts that you've carried out of the past, as we close, I'd like you to think of the people who've hurt you. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Think of the people who've hurt you in your life. I'd like you to let them off the hook. I'm going to let it go. God help me. Look back up at me. Why do you let them go? They don't deserve it. That's right. But you don't deserve being forgiven by God either. Why do you let it go? Well, that's the right thing to do. God's done it to you. Also, it's the only way 
to be free. John, let me turn things back to you. Let's take a moment and, uh, and pray. Okay? Ask God to, to help you to, to forgive, to let go of that person maybe that came to mind. Let, let's just spend a moment on that. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us, each one of us, to forgive by faith those that have hurt us in the past. Give us a grace, God, to do that. We choose to do that. We don't want to remember. And we want to try to put it out of our minds instead of just keep bringing it back up. Help us, God. Set us free. Help us to let go of that hurt and that pain. We thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross, forgave us our sin. That, God, that we can have your power through your spirit to forgive others. We thank you. I pray for each person here, you continue your good work in their lives. Continue to perfect it. Continue to grow them up in you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.